0: Welcome to the Passion City Church DC Extracast. This is a special session for the Son of God series, where Pastor Ben and John sit down to discuss pivotal moments in the life of Jesus that aren't covered on Sunday mornings. If you'd like to read the Gospel of Mark along with us, download our reading plan at passion.link slash mark.
1: Okay. Hey, Ben. Hey, John. We're doing it. We we made it. We're doing an extra cast. I don't know if we coined that, but uh we I, we could say we did, we can say we did, yeah, I feel good about that uh, <laughs> w- what's the heartbeat of this We've been in this series called Son of God yeah uh, we, we've been going through the Gospel of Mark, started uh right kind of the beginning of the school year, coming out of Sabbath, yeah, and um, we we wanted to come around the Gospel of Mark as a church as passion passion city church d c uh we we got these journals we, we made a reading plan, and we've just been marching through the Gospel of Mark. Uh, with our people, pretty quick, and it's a, it's a tight runway. Right? Yeah, we, we, we're going to stick the landing around Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> so we're fitting a gospel in what is that three four months?
0: Yeah, well, you know, and it was precipitated by this move, you know, we made to the Lincoln Theater. Yeah, right in the center of U Street, right in the center of D.C., which is a significant place to land, like the cultural right. center in many ways of the city. And so, I just loved as a team, we were praying about what what do we want to focus on in this new season yeah. chapter and in the life of our church? We're like, well, we want to point the spotlight on the person of Jesus. Right. That's why we exist. That's who we're about. That's who we want the people of DC to know. And then of course, we know a lot of people track with us too. Through you know, A lot of people listening to this live in DC or the DMV area, but a lot of you are from a random variety of places. And so wherever you are listening to this, we want you to know Jesus. And yeah. so we thought, let's focus on him in the Gospels. Yeah. But you're right. We decided, hey, people in this town move fast. Like they move out of town <laughs> fast. So we better yeah. uh, uh, condense this. So yeah. I don't know if this is uh, good or insane, but uh, we're shoving a gospel into the fall.
1: But here we are. We're, yeah, we're shoving the gospel mark into the fall. Uh, and and there's some of these kind of moments that we, as we looked at the schedule, we went, man, we we're, we're not just going to skip over different yeah. chunks of scripture. We want to cover these things, but they just might not make it on a Sunday morning. Yeah, And so I'm excited that we're not just doing that. We're not just going to jump over different uh, passages or sections. We're going to take a look at them here.
0: Yeah. Thus the extra cast. The extra cast. We we're giving you extra. <laughs> yeah. So if you're following along in a reading plan with us, uh, which we encourage you to do, and if you haven't follow our podcast website, YouTube, you can watch the sermons. Uh, we're going to be on chapter six, so you can catch up with us. Uh, Read through the gospel with us. And I like to think of this almost as like an audio commentary for you. So if you're reading these passages and then get in your car and drive to work or whatever you're doing, getting ready for work, um, listen to this and maybe it'll help you understand what is Mark doing as he tells Jesus story this way? What's he wanting us to see? Uh, What is this teaching me about Jesus? And then my hope is it's not just What's it teaching us about Jesus, but what does it say about myself Mm. and how I respond to this man?
1: That's great, man. Well, take us through it. Take us through. We're in Mark chapter six.
0: Yeah. We'll look at um, three moments uh, today. And the interesting thing about them is they're not really as much about Jesus and what he did as much as they're about three different responses to Jesus. So it's kind of fascinating this moment we're in. They could kind of probably all fit under the heading of intensifying because Jesus warned us like at the outset, hey, there's going to be a variety of responses to me. And then as he begins to preach and do miracles, now we're going to watch that happen in real time. Right. And all this momentum he's building in his ministry is like leading to these decision points. Mm -hmm. Who is this man? Who do I believe he is? And what does that mean for me? And so that's kind of where we're at. And and we'll just kind of take them one at a time. Yeah. Um, but moment number one, uh, I call, uh, homecoming and it's the first six verses in chapter six. I'll read them to you and then comment on them, uh, because Jesus is going to go back home. So verse one says he went away from there and he came to his hometown and his disciples followed him, which we'll talk more about that. They're, they're going to kind of come more into the forefront as the gospel continues. But it says in verse two, and on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? Hmm. How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, son of Mary, (laughs) brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Uh, So we'll stop here in a minute. There's one more paragraph in this kind of section. But if you notice, like this paragraph starts with, he came to his hometown in verse one, and it ends with, and they took offense at him. They were offended by him in verse three. Right. So it's like, hey, I heard you went home over the weekend. How'd it go? You're like, mm, not great. <laughs> uh, which leads to the question, like, why? Like, what did he do? Or yeah. what is it about him that offended them Yeah, about him? But what's wild, if you caught it, is notice as he's teaching, it says they acknowledge he speaks with wisdom and he does mighty works. Yeah. So they hear it and they go, hey, there's wisdom to what he's saying. And number two is like, whoa, he is doing powerful things that are not normal. Right. So they see what he's doing, but they're still offended by him. And you go, why? (laughs) It's because his background is too ordinary. Hmm. Yeah. That um, he doesn't have the right degrees on the wall. Yeah. And so that's that language where they're like, isn't this the carpenter? Right. And um, it comes off as like derogatory. Right. Where does this guy come off? Like. Didn't he make your shelves bob? Like, who's this guy? <laughs> like, like it's uh dismissive. Yeah. You're yeah. too common to be special. Yeah. And the son of Mary thing, some commentators think is a shot at him too, because mm. you know, back then normally you'd be identified by your dad, but Mary was, you know, uh, when she was a teenager, they kind of whisked her out of town mm. and blah, blah, blah. When she came back, she had yeah. this kid. And so actually, some of them hear it too, and there's an argument later with the religious leadership where they they respond to Jesus by saying, well, we're not illegitimate children.
1: Hmm.
0: <laughs> and some commentators think like they're taking a shot at him yeah. and his parentage. That could be what's happening here. Is they're right. like, you're not from any special background. You're actually from maybe a dubious one. And yeah. hey, didn't, didn't, didn't you like make our cabinets? And right. so they, they think he's too common. Yeah. That's why they dismiss him. Right. And so then okay. in verse four, it says, and Jesus said to them, a prophet's not without honor. It's like, hey, I, prophets yeah. get honor. They they get some respect, but not here. He said, except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. Hmm. And he could do no mighty works there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Hmm. A couple of things there, and then we can stop for a minute and talk. Yeah. But um, it says he could do hmm. no miracles there. That doesn't mean inability. Like, he, you know, he needs people he to believe in power. him for like the juice to <laughs> yeah. kind of fill him, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, it means he um, was not free to exercise his power mm. in that environment. Yeah. I, I, one commentator said it this way that I thought was good. He's like, he said, the performance of miracles in the absence of faith would have added to their guilt. Because, mm. yeah. And he's getting that from Jesus to say that later. He was like, hey man, like if, if Nineveh saw this, they would have repented. You know, he starts pointing right. out cities like right. if these cities. would If Jericho would have seen what I'm doing, they would have repented. Yeah, And so, um, the fact that they see his miracles and blow him off is, um, leaves them open to judgment. And so there's something in, interesting about this whole dynamic where their unbelief excludes them from really seeing the full power of God. Mm, yeah, And then what's really crazy about it is in verse six, it says of Jesus, he marveled <laughs> because of their unbelief. Um, maybe the easiest way to think about what's happening is here is he goes to his hometown. They understand he's a great teacher. They understand that he's uh, a miracle worker, but they're like, but you're just too, I don't know, common every day, whatever. And so yeah. they don't respond to him. Right. To me, this is like, um, it's familiarity breeds contempt. That's right. what this is. Yeah. And and maybe in modern times, you could draw a parallel to the kid that's raised in church yeah. Uh, they've been around it, and but they yawn at the resurrection. Yeah, I know. Up from the grave he rose. Like yeah. it just, they don't marvel at it at all. Yeah, yeah. I know the Bible's important, uh, but I'm unmoved by it. Right. So in Jesus' story, this is soil number one. Yeah. Right. the The Word of Life is coming, and your heart is like concrete. It just pings off, and so you can grow up in church your whole life. You can be from Jesus' hometown and heard every story and still be hard-hearted. And so this is common. A lot of, you know, people like this, you know, uh, was it Flannery O'Connor called the South Christ haunted Hmm. that there's a, uh, we shouldn't cuss around churches sense of sort of reverence for Jesus. But there's so many people that it's cultural Christianity but they don't marvel at Jesus. It's, yeah, I know the Bible, Matt, yes. And there's a respect around it. But there's not a real reverence for the king. Right. And uh it's common, but it's not normal. Right. And that's what Jesus points out. Their unbelief is unbelievable to him. Yeah. You know what I'm doing is mighty. You know what I'm saying is wise, but you blow me off.
1: Right. That's crazy. Right. It's so fascinating. I mean, it 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 sounds crazy. You hear them. Uh, saying they've, they've seen the miracles and, and they've heard his teaching. They've, they've seen these amazing things and yet they still don't believe. But it, it sounds crazy, but you're, you're right. It's completely relatable. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting you bring up that point and it's super relatable in this idea of like, what does it look like to go from seeing Jesus as just kind of part of the cultural background as, as just a guy that I'm familiar with, or I might even throw his banner up when it feels convenient yeah. versus actually following him as Lord. And surrendering your life to Him; those are two different things. Yeah, I think it brings
0: up. Yeah, it's I. I do think like in a. I, I remember, um, telling a roommate of mine in college about Jesus, sharing the gospel with mm-hmm. him, and he was like, "I know I should probably. I know I probably have questions if I thought about it, but I don't really know what they are." Mm-hmm. And that was kind of it. And I'm yeah, like, well, that's yeah. that's fair if you're uncertain. Uh, yeah. But if you just go, so the end, you know, I'm yeah. like, man, this guy demonstrably changed human history. Right. I mean, the teachings of Jesus changed the flow of human history on the globe. Yeah. And but even today, people can hear that and go, Yeah, but I never got around to reading the Bible and yeah. never really got around to so I'm not shaming anybody listening to this. I'm saying this is this is a thing that happens. Yeah. Is I can go, Jesus was significant but I'm not taking him serious. He's just kind of a common part of the background where I grew yeah. up. Yeah. I would just say, acknowledge that uh-huh. and go, wait a minute. I either believe this guy is a history shaping person or I don't, let me investigate him. So wherever you fall on on how much faith you have, I would say the way to get out of this is to go, no, wait a minute, let me pause to take him seriously. Mm-hmm. Are his words really wise? Right. Is what he does in a human life really mighty? Well, then let me take him seriously to see, do I believe or not? And they dismiss him and and he moves on. Yeah. So that's the next, well, actually the end of that verse says he went about among the villages teaching in the face of rejection, the kingdom still expanding. Right. He's like, you may not be on board, (laughs) but I'm still moving.
1: Still going.
0: Uh, Yeah. So then we get moment number two. Yeah. This is the commissioning. And so you got the hometown that blows him off. But now you got these people that are with him in verse seven, it says, and he called the 12 and began to send them out two by two, and he gave them authority over the unclean spirits. Now, this is a thing Mark's been building to, that Mm -hmm. there is a group of people that have taken him seriously, and they don't have all their questions answered. They're going to get real confused later. Mm -hmm. But you saw in chapter one, he grabbed these guys and he said, come follow me. I'll make you a fisher of men. And they start to follow him. Then you watch him in chapter two, fish for Levi. You know, the tax collector, he's like, hey man, come come, be with me. Um, you see in chapter three, he sets them apart as apostles. He picks the 12 and says, I don't want you to just be around me. I want to dub you my cabinet, sort of official mm-hmm. emissaries of my kingdom. Like yeah. you're going to have a role in this thing. And then in chapter four, They're the ones that as he's teaching parables, they come up to him later and go, we don't get it. And so he's explaining to them what he's up to. And then chapter five, they're the ones that get the boat ride with him where they see his power on display. And so you see this happening, be around me, see what I'm like, see what I can do. And then you're going to be a carrier of what you've seen me doing. Right. Uh, This is the kind of stuff that, I mean, rappers have done this for years. You know, (laughs) Dre uh, is successful and what does he do? He gives Snoop a couple bars on the track. Brings an Eminem in, <laughs> right. you know. And you sort of bring them onto some of yours, and then suddenly you launch their careers. Jesus is bringing these people around yeah. uh, like a good leader. Right. Right. I'm going to do it, and you watch. Then I'm going to do it, and we'll see you later, and you help, and then uh, you do it, and I'll help you. And so you see him slowly giving them authority to be participants in the expansion of his kingdom. Yeah. So that's number two. Is uh, you've got. Some that reject, now you got some that participate. And so he sends them out and gives them these marching orders, uh, sends them out in pairs, uh, probably for mutual support. And and there's a a biblical precedent in the Old Testament of uh, every testimony is confirmed by two witnesses. Uh, And he gives them authority over unclean spirits. He's like, I'm sending you out as spiritual people. I'm giving you the responsibility to carry my message. I'm going to give you the authority Mm -hmm. to carry that responsibility, right? Right. And so he sends them out as official emissaries, and then you get their marching orders in verses 8 through 11. It says, he charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals, not put on two tunics. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if in any place will not receive you, and they will not listen to you when when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. All right, to summarize that, he gives them marching orders and he tells them, hey, travel light. Yeah. Uh, don't take food, don't take money, uh, don't take bread. And then he tells them, don't put on two tunics. And you go, what's that about? <laughs> like, You don't need two tunics when you're walking. Mm. You're going to build up enough body heat just moving along. It's a one tunic kind of day out there. But uh, you bring a second one if you need to sleep somewhere at night and it's cold, mm. it's like a poor man's tent. It's like bringing a blanket. It's like, if you sleep under the stars, like a cowboy, you know? And he's telling him, don't do that. Yeah. Don't bring anything that would make you self-sufficient. Hmm. And uh, you go, well, why? Why doesn't he want him to do that? Because it'll force you to trust God, but also to rely on the hospitality of others, <laughs> which will be a good test. Yeah. So when you show up and don't think town like, you know uh Richmond these are like villages like yeah. everyone's going to know you just rolled into yeah, town yeah when you roll in and say hey I'm an emissary of the Messiah uh they're going to react to you and that's yeah. what he prepares them for yeah. two reactions some of them are going to accept you and go into their house and then he was like and so when the person takes you in then he says uh stay there till you depart from there he's like don't upgrade if someone with a cooler house <laughs> offers you that you know be like right, oh right. Well, it was the sweet grandma <laughs> let me in but like that dude's got a pool
1: yeah
0: he's like don't do that because that'll distort the message yeah the message is if they receive you they receive me but if you try to upgrade to like a richer guy's house the message you're saying is like you got to earn this a bit mm. or you got to be worthy of it right which is the opposite of the message of jesus right. his message is one of grace but see who takes you in and then if they don't take you in shake the dust off and you go, what's that mean? Like, uh, rabbis back then, like if they went to like a pagan city, like some foreign country, for some reason, they would carefully like shake all the dust out to say like, uh, it's a symbol of separation. Hmm. I'm not with you. Hmm. And so I'm not bringing the lingering effects of you into Hmm. my world.
1: Right.
0: For this, he says, it's a testimony against them. And what he means by that is, um, you are in good faith telling them the king is here. Hmm. And if they blow you off, don't take that personal. Right? Like, don't let it inside, shake it off. Yeah. But shake it off to them be like, hey, my conscience is clear. I tried to help y'all. Yeah. You're on your own, hmm. you know, and walk away. And uh, what I love about this, and this is the next response, is you get the followers of Jesus, people that say, I'm going to associate with him. Jesus is preparing them. If you're going to associate with me, You need to be aware what happens to me is going to happen to you. There's going to be people who accept you in my name. And there's going to be people who reject you because of me. You need to know that's coming. And when they accept you, you accept them. You love them. If they reject you, check it off. It's all right. But uh, he's just sort of preparing his people for what association with him looks like. And for me, this is a good thought when you are new to a city Or let's say maybe some of you, you're college freshmen, you show up on the scene, you go, a lot of you are wondering, am I going to associate with Jesus or not? Am I going to bring up that I go to church or not? Like what's going to happen? You're afraid of the rejection side. But I would just encourage you, if you believe Jesus is who he says he is, this is the son of God, this is my king, I put my faith in him, then you go, okay, then roll with him and know that that will bring you some community. And it'll also bring you some rejection. But if you know both are coming, you can survive that. Yeah, you know.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, I know for me, when I entered college, um, my association with Jesus meant I didn't do things that a lot of people were doing. Yeah, and it was isolating. Right. And I remember thinking that, like, Jesus is costing me friends.
1: Hmm.
0: You know. Yeah. And I was pretty lonely the first half of college. But I was like, but I'm His. I believe who He says He is. And then what happened was, I got invited to a Bible study and. Over time, met some people, met some good friends. It's actually kind of wild, man. Like, I I went to Rush to join a fraternity with some buddies, and I was in this scene, and I'm not anti... There's some great fraternities out there, so this is an anti-fraternity bash fest, but I was in this one like pipeline to join this fraternity, and I was like, I can't, in good conscience for me, do all that they're asking of us. Yeah. So I was like part of me was like, but I want to be a light for Jesus in a dark place. But I was like, I will not be by myself. I'm yeah. isolated. Right. The best I could be is sober. I just knew myself. Yeah. Like I, I don't have the spiritual maturity to thrive in this environment. So I had to let that go. Yeah. And then I got invited to this Christian thing called Breakaway. But uh, as I was a student, I started to grow in my faith at Breakaway. I joined this other kind of men's organization where I grew in my faith. And then when I was, chaplain of this men's organization, we got a phone call from a sorority house saying, will you lead a Bible study in the sorority house? I'm like, yeah. So now I'm back on the frat scene, but I'm there because they've asked me to teach from the mm-hmm. Bible. So the first sermon I ever <laughs> preached was in a sorority house. That's awesome. And then multiple sororities started asking. So now I'm like preaching at sorority <laughs> house. I'm not looking to, I'm not handing out <laughs> pamphlets. They're asking me to. And then these, these guys from the Greek council, like this these frat guys pulled me together and they were like, we want to start a Bible study to men in our fraternity. Hmm. We don't want you to lead it because you're not one of us, but will you teach us how to do it? Hmm. So I had I got to influence multiple fraternities yeah. because I accepted the rejection at the outset. Does that make sense? Right, yeah. And then the crazier thing is that rejection led me to the acceptance of Breakaway. That's the house I went and lived yeah. in, not knowing that five, six years later, I'd be the director of Breakaway. And then we would do... Um, all these events for all the chaplains of all the fraternities and sororities. So I'm like, oh man, like right. I had to take the rejection and the acceptance associated with Jesus. The rejection hurt, man. It was hard freshman. I had a tough freshman year, but on the other side, I got some deep friends, great ministry, yeah. and actually became an influence uh, that I wouldn't have been on my own. So that's awesome. what
1: we don't have to spend too much time here, but I'm, I'm just I've heard you talk a lot about this. This kind of dynamic that we all live with, which is this reality that if we carry the gospel, we are going to face acceptance and rejection, yeah, and especially even just from a temperament standpoint, i I know there's the cultural side of man it, it rejection is terrifying no yeah. one no one wants rejection, <laughs> yeah, no one likes that, no one wants to just step right into that um but then even just on the temperament side i think you know some people might find themselves going i'm not i'm kind of the quiet person or i i'm yeah. more of the introverted kind of person uh and i've heard you talk just a lot about that how do, what does it take to kind of overcome that in the face of rejection and go no i'm i'm carrying the gospel in every setting i'm going to step into
0: yeah yeah that could be a whole deal <laughs> uh, i would say two things mind and heart mm. one is asking yourself in your mind do i believe this is true that Jesus is the son of God and can bring people forgiveness from God Mm -hmm. and life. Like, do I believe that? Yeah. If I do, then, then it's important for that person to know that. Yeah. And then number two is, do I care about that person? Right. You know? And I think if you focus on that, I mean, we're going to see it. I won't preach it now, but this Sunday, Jesus had compassion on the crowd. So he taught them many things. He knew the truth that I'm here to rescue you, but he also had a heart for like, and, and I, I really want you to know this. Yeah. I'm not obligated to share this data. I really want you to know it because yeah. it'll help you.
1: Right.
0: So if you, if you really focus less on your fears and your rejection, but on the person of Jesus, do I really believe who he says he is? And do I really care for these people? Right. Then I'll share them, even if I'm yeah. scared or yeah. whatever. So we had um, actually on Christmas day, a neighbor of mine knocked on our door and he came over, he's not a Christian, but he had read this book about how the Bible had been distorted over time and was untrue, yeah, and so he knocked on our door because he knew we were Christians,
1: yeah
0: and but he was concerned we weren't aware that our holy book had been disproven. <laughs> right, right. So that's at least how I understood as he was uh-huh. explaining. He was like, man, did you know this? And <laughs> I just thought you guys of all people would want to know this. Yeah. <laughs> and so we, we have this great conversation. Where I'm like, I've actually read that very author you're describing. Yeah. He's wrong at multiple levels. Uh, let's talk about how, and it became this great conversation yeah, yeah. about how we can trust the reliability of the Bible. Yeah. But I just love that I'm like, he was concerned about us.
1: Yeah,
0: he was like, "And I need to go over there." <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. I was like, right. "That is having the courage of your convictions, Man. right?" Yeah. And so, uh, how much more for us that actually have the words of life? Yeah. Do we go? Okay, I'm so scared of rejection, but I want you to know it. And you know, there's a great video. You know, the magician's pen and teller. I can't remember which one it was, pen or teller. Tells this whole story <laughs> of a guy coming up to him after a show. And giving him a bible and i think it's pen he's an atheist mm. and was like i don't believe there's a god he said but i respect that man because he mm. was complimentary to me he was sincere yeah he really believed this right. and he cared enough about me to give me this yeah. and he's like "Hold And he was like how much would you he goes how much would you have to hate somebody wow. to believe you have the message of life and then not share it with you yeah him? yeah and you're like, dude, this guy doesn't believe the gospel, <laughs> yeah. but respects this dude for taking it. the hit. Yeah. And so um, anyway, that's, that's what awesome. these guys send out to do. And and they go do it and proclaim, hey, you need to repent. That's right. verse 12. They went out, proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil, many who were sick. We could talk a lot about demon possession and healing the sick, but we'll move on for next time to time. the next, next one. Time. Yeah, next yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do a whole <laughs> podcast on demon possession. Let's move on to the yeah, third moment. Yeah, let's get to it. Uh, last moment. Um, uh, there's a lot here, and I'll try to go fast, but this is a wild story. Especially this one to me is like would be a great TV series. Man, somebody's got to do this moment, right? You know, uh, because of the if political the political intrigue yeah. behind this third yeah. moment, and it's how Herod responds to Jesus. Yeah. So you've got sort of the dismissal is familiar, you've got the acceptance and then representation, and now you've got politics. his priorities so in verse 14 it says king herod heard of it for jesus name had become known so all this preaching and miracle working is making jesus famous enough that it starts to echo in the halls of power now king herod hears about it but what's wild about this is that word king because this is herod antipas he's the son of herod the great there's there's three herods in uh the new testament there's herod agrippa he's in the book of acts he comes along later there's Herod Antipas, this guy, and then his daddy is Herod the Great. Uh, His dad uh, got in good with the Romans, and we won't explain all of why, but uh, when the Romans kind of ran over this whole area, um, they needed to set up some kind of local government. Mm -hmm. And so he was in good with them, and they said, okay, then we're going to dub you the king of the Jews. And so they gave Herod the name king of the Jews, which was a bit controversial because he technically wasn't full-blood Jewish. He wasn't from the the Hasmonean dynasty, which were the line of kings that had ruled over the Jewish people for a long, long time. He was an Idumean. And so Rome, this foreign power, dubbed him, you're the king over the Jews. And the Jews, many of them didn't like it. Right. And therefore didn't like him. So he always felt a little insecure about his power, which is interesting because Herod the Great shows up in one place in the Bible. It's in Matthew when the Magi, the the representatives from foreign nations come to his area, and he says, why are you here? And they said, we're here because of the prophecies of the one who was born King of the Jews. Yeah. And he hears it as a threat. Yeah. You were named King of the Jews by the Romans. <laughs> we're here for the one who was born yeah. the King of the Jews. Yeah. And whether Herod believed there was a Messiah or the prophecy or not, he just knew if people believe there's a prophecy, this kid's a threat. And so what you hear about Herod the Great is what's called the slaughter of the innocents. He's the yeah. one that kills every kid under the age of two in the yeah. region. And if you look in Josephus, that was the kind of guy he was. He killed his own sons. He was so nervous about his power being overthrown. He'd kill you. Killed his own children, slaughtered the innocents. Uh, he was a dangerous man. Yeah. But he was also like a big builder. I mean, he built Kesaria Maritima. He built the temple to restore Solomon's glory. I mean, you can go today and, and he probably had the greatest impact on the landscape of the nation of Israel from the ancient world because he just built all these massive buildings. And, yeah. Uh, but he was a terrifying and ruthless person. I yeah. mean, there's a story of, I mean, when he was on his deathbed, he thought no one would weep for his passing. So he had all these... Um, uh, aristocrats kept in the hippodrome, just sort of taken captive, so that when he died, he would give the order to kill them all. So there'd be weeping on the day he died. Hmm. But, uh, you know, they didn't go through with it, uh, the order. But you go, what does this have to do with yeah, anything? Yeah. He was the king of the Jews, that Herod, Herod the Great. Uh, his son, Antipas, assumed because he was his most capable son, I'll be made king. Hmm. And Herod's will said he'll be named king. But Five days before he died, Herod changed the will and said, no one gets my kingdom. I'm splitting it into fourths and a couple of you will rule in different places. (laughs) So Antipas who wanted to be king, never got to be king. So in verse 14, there he's called King Herod. It could have been because they were scared of him and just like, this was culturally how people referred to him, but he never got that title. And so some people think this is the irony that points to his motivations. All Mm -hmm. this will make sense in a minute, I swear. But uh, he's not technically the king. He's the tetrarch over galilee uh archelaus is over judea he's in the bible too and philip and whatever but anyway so this is agrippa or excuse me this is antipas and um he uh wanted the title king never got it and yet here in this moment Here's this other guy moving around in his world. And they go, who is this guy? And it says, some say he's John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. That's why these miraculous powers are at work in him. But others say he's Elijah and others say he's a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. So they're sitting there in the halls of power discussing, hey, there's a guy moving around, causing a lot of energy, working miracles in our location. Who is this guy? And it's interesting. They connect him with John the Baptist, which is significant. They go, they're correlated somehow yeah which you go why would they think he was the other they were contemporaries um well jesus ministry didn't really kick start in galilee till after john's ended and there's some overlap but in terms of like what made its way up into the halls of power right. it was john and then it was jesus right. and so some of this is their ignorance yeah. right um but what's interesting is john never did any miracles So that's why they're like, John never did miracles. This guy's doing miracles. And they're like, well, maybe he's John back from the dead. Like maybe this is, (laughs) maybe resurrection gave him some power and we tried to crush him and he came back stronger, you know, that sort of thing. So it's, uh, they're spooked.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Others say he's Elijah because he was the famous prophet of old who did a lot of miracles. Mm -hmm. And there was a prophecy Elijah would return before the day of judgment. And so some of them that are maybe more theologically informed are like, maybe it's judgment day, you know? (laughs) Or others, like maybe he's a prophet like those of old. But then verse 16, it says, but when Herod heard it, he said, John, whom I beheaded has been raised. And you get like a note of guilt in there. It's like, oh man. Uh And you just, this is the first time you've heard it. Yeah. Oh man, I cut that dude's head off. (laughs) And now he's back. He's coming for me. And so Herod's conscience is wrecked. And he thinks he's being haunted. I mean, this is Shakespearean. Yeah. This is like Ed Allan Poe kind of stuff. Yeah, he's probably. like, this is condemnation coming. And then in verses 17 and following, it's a flashback of, you go, wait, John got beheaded? And now it's going to tell you uh, how that went down. Mm-hmm. And it said, for it was Herod who had sent and seized John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because he married her. But John had been saying to Herod, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So, You learn something about Antipas, his uh, half-brother had a wife that he liked. And so she divorced his half-brother to marry him. And John, which violates Leviticus, uh, the law in the Old Testament. John the Baptist uh, was doing his ministry right by where Herod's fortress was. And he's not afraid to call out anybody. He's like, hey, what you did was wrong. It was wrong, it violates God's intent for marriage. And so he's letting them know that's not how this is supposed to go. And that's obviously a threat to Herod that this guy with all this spiritual influence is condemning him, right? Right. Um, And Herodias particularly didn't like it. So in verse 19, it says, Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to put him to death. Uh, She doesn't like uh, that he's accusing her of being an adulteress. Right. But she could not because Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and a holy man and he kept him safe. Safe from who? From his wife. She's like, I want to kill that guy. I'm sick of him. And uh, Herod keeps him safe. It says, because when he heard him, he was greatly perplexed and yet he heard him gladly. So now you get this Herod that, hey, he just wanted his brother's wife. So he took her, man. So he's that kind of guy. But then he hears this holy and righteous man speak and it perplexes him. He's like, oh man, Mm. I think this guy speaks for God. Mm. He's condemning me, which feels bad. But but he's got some things that you should listen to. And his yeah. wife's like, I'm one, I'm dead. And he's like, no, no, no. I think we should listen to this guy. So you have this conflicted guy and it, it brings the tension the story. Like, what are you going to do?
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, verse 21, but an opportunity came. Opportunity for who? Well, we're going to see for Herodias. When Herod on his birthday gave a banquet for his nobles and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. So on his birthday, he throws a big party for his uh, political uh people, his military commanders, and leading men of Galilee is probably all the rich landowners. So everyone who's somebody is now at his house. Yeah. He's throwing a party. And verse 22, when Herodias's daughter came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. Notice it's not called Herod's daughter. This is probably the daughter of his brother, Salome, who would have been right. uh, in her like teens or 20s. So which it sounds weird because uh, it probably was weird. weird. It's probably gross. Yeah. And the king said to the girl ask me for whatever you wish, and I'll give it to you. Uh, So he's going to put on a display. And he vowed to her, whatever you ask of me, I give it to you up to half of my kingdom. Uh, So he's trying to make a show in front of all his noblemen and whatever. And she went out and said to her mom, what should I ask for? And she says, the head of John the Baptist. And she came in immediately with haste to the king and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. Mom didn't say on a platter, but they're at this big banquet. You normally don't eat with platters, but they're at this big banquet, sumptuous food, and she just sees one and she's like, put his head on that platter.
1: Yeah, she's just falling.
0: So this brings in the conflict. Herod goes, his preaching is perplexing me, but it makes me glad. There's something to it. There's something right about it. There's something holy about it. I need to listen to this guy. I want to silence people that want to hurt him, including my wife. We need to listen to him but I really wanna be king and I want power. Mm. All I want is more money and power. And so I've got all my money and powerful friends around. And now my wife puts my two biggest priorities against mm. each other. What's it gonna be? Yeah. Do I want money and power or do I want righteousness and holiness? Right. Verse 27. And immediately the king sent an executioner with order to bring John's head. And he went and beheaded him in the prison and brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl. And the girl gave it to her mother. And when the disciples heard of it, they came and took his body and laid it in the tomb. Mm. A couple of things, and we'll land this deal. One, you go, why is the story here? At one level, it's to show you this is what they do. Yeah. So Jesus and John the Baptist are linked together. And holiness and righteousness, when it butts up against money and power, Those in political power, they'll kill you. Hmm. And it's foreshadowing of what's coming for Jesus. If he keeps pushing this issue, he's going to butt up against what people really care about. It's going to get him in trouble. Yeah. And it will. But it also shows you another way to react to Jesus. I mean, you see with Herod, I've got conviction about this message, but, you know, in Jesus's story, if Nazareth was soil one, the seed just bounces off. He's soil three, man.
1: Yeah. Yeah
0: that the word was getting into his heart. The word was starting to mess with him. But Jesus said, but weeds are gonna come up. Hmm. What are they called? The deceitfulness of riches and desire for other things will choke out this word. And that's what happened to him. And that's what happens to a lot of people. They go, I know religion's important. I know spirituality is important. I believe Jesus is important, but I want money and power. And uh, for him, it's money, sex, and power, all wired into this. And when I'm forced to choose... I love money which really just means I love me. Yeah. But here's the irony of it and this is where I'll stop is um we find out later in Josephus um he just wants this power, man. Mm. And uh I mean he named his capital Tiberius after the emperor. So for 40 years he sucked up to the emperor, yeah. named his capital after him. But when Tiberius died, uh Gaius became emperor who got the name Caligula. If you ever heard that name, most people don't know what Caligula did, like, but I remember he's a bad guy. You're like, yeah, he was a really bad guy. <laughs> and he had a childhood buddy who was the little nephew of Antipas named Agrippa. And he's like, you know what? I'm gonna make you Herod Agrippa, Man. king of all the Jews. And he gave him Herod yeah. the Great. And so Antipas is like, what? You all know, like <laughs> super mad. <laughs> yeah. And his wife Herodias says, well, you need to march over to Rome and you need to tell him that you need to be king. And so he does. And when he shows up in Rome, the emperor is reading a letter from Agrippa, telling him all the terrible things Antipas has done. So he walks in like, I want to be king. He's like, actually, you're going to be nothing. You're banished to Gaul. And he casts him out. He never sees his, quote, kingdom again. So what's wild is Jesus will say it later. If you seek to save your life, you're going to lose lose it. it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you're going to find it. And Herodias puts him up to demand being king. And because he listens to this woman he was never supposed to marry, because he goes after this kingdom that was never his, he loses everything. Mm, And so if he would have listened to John the Baptist... He probably would have been all right, you know, but yeah, it's right. wild to think about like, yeah. and I know there's a lot of people listening to this, that what's scariest about following Jesus is what it'll cost me. Right. I know the person I'm dating is not right, but I don't want to let go of them. Mm. I know I'm going to have to change some of the way I do business. Yeah. I know I'm going to have to change some of my lifestyle and Jesus is threatening my comfort. Yeah. And, uh, but if you seek to save your life, you're going to lose it. Right. But if you lose it, you just may find it.
1: Right. Well, it's so interesting. Just looking at, we've got three responses yeah. to the person of Jesus. You've got, uh, he's familiar. He's kind of background. I, I, I'm just kind of, I, I don't know about what all this is going on. I, I, I'm out. Then you've got the, the disciples who just straight up, they're following. I'm going to go where you tell me to go. I'm do what you tell me to do. Mm-hmm. And then you've got kind of that soil three, like I'm outright rejecting you because I want something else. I, I, yeah. I've I've got a different idol on my heart. I've got something else that I want more than Jesus. And maybe for the person listening, they're going, man, I don't know what to do with this person of Jesus. What do we say to that person that's looking at how you can respond to the person of Jesus going, I'm still trying to figure it out for myself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. That's a good place to land this too, because you don't want to do what Nazareth did. Don't blow him off, man. Yeah. Uh, He demands to be taken seriously. Yeah. Yeah just by virtue of the influence he's had on human society. And he's going to keep pushing the issue that I'm the Messiah. Right. He's making it weird. Right. But if you're like, well, I don't know if I'm ready to commit to him and be like one of his emissaries to the world. Um, we're in chapter six of 16. Yeah. Like you don't have to, he's not, he's yeah. not yeah. pulling the ring out on date number one. <laughs> at some point, you're going to decide what to do with him.
1: Right. And
0: at some point you need to. Right. But... um, if you're sitting here and you're uncertain about all this, I don't really know what to do with the person of Jesus. What I would encourage you is take him seriously and investigate him. Mm -hmm. Don't get distracted and sidebarred by lesser things that will fade. Uh, Don't blow him off, but take him seriously. And his disciples are going to have a bunch of questions later. And if you have them, he's not scared of those. He's really not. So I would say, man, read through Mark with us. Keep coming back. Come back to this podcast, come back to church, come investigate the person of Jesus with us and see, do I believe? Because hmm. that's what he's looking for. Right. He's looking for, watch me, see me, know me, and then you'll believe. And then that's you'll good. be someone who can bear much fruit. That's what the disciples do. They're going to make a difference. Yeah. No one here, most of y'all don't even know who Antipas was, yeah. but... uh the emissaries of Jesus have changed the world. Yeah, and absolutely. so I would just say, take them serious, man. Yeah, We'll keep doing this. That's good. Yeah. We're going to keep doing this. we do,
1: one, do a couple more of these deals, and we're going to keep checking through the Book of Mark on Sunday morning. So here we go. Keep joining along with us. It's going to be a fun ride.
0: Thanks, brother. If you were encouraged by today's Extra Cast, be sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at passioncitychurch.com or download the Passion Movement app. And again, thanks for listening to the Passion City Church DC podcast.